Hello, everybody. Hello to you watching online. Good to have you, too. Uh, you probably slept in if you're watching online because these are the hardcore worshipers today that show up on Time Change Sunday. You know, it's, it's a cursed, cursed Sunday, I know, but Scripture says this is the day the Lord has made. It's just a little hard to rejoice when the government steals an hour of your life away. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but glad you're here, and especially if you're new, don't know your church background, if you have one or not. Uh, don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but I hope that you will find a home here. Uh, you'll notice some decorating, some redesign going on on the stage behind me. That's going to be a work in progress for a few weeks, so hopefully we'll, we'll have that done shortly. It's looking good. Uh, and you know what? As you look around, you may not, if you're new especially, you don't know if you fit in. You don't know if people like you here. That's okay. I, don't, I feel that way every week too. I'm not quite sure if everybody's going to like me. I mean, I wish everybody liked me, but I know that's not realistic uh, because, you know, you can't get everybody to like you, no matter what you do. There's always going to be certain people that, that don't like certain things about you, and, and we, we just we live with that. But I know right up front there are going to be people who don't like me simply because I'm a Christian, right? And, and even more so because I'm a minister. So I, I expect that I'm not going to be the most popular person around. But the, the truth is there are some even within the church that aren't going to like me for whatever reason. They don't like my, my messages or my methods or my style. Uh, they may disagree with some of my decisions. Um, they get frustrated with me for some reason. They get disappointed with me. It's shocking. I can't believe it, but it does happen. And, and it's just funny how the same kind of message, for example, can get different reactions, right? That some people love it and other people hate it. And some people will write me notes of encouragement and other people are whispering words of criticism. I get that, but... Look, you can't live your life that way, trying to win the approval of everybody around you. It's, it's not healthy. It's not realistic. And so you've got to learn to take some constructive criticism where it's needed because, you know, I'm flawed. I know I'm not perfect, but I can't be consumed with my popularity and my approval ratings because the truth is I really only live to please one person. And uh, I'm going to answer to him, and I want to be faithful to my calling, and I want to be true to his word. So some of you, though, are experiencing this right now in your family. You have uh, relatives who, um, where you don't fit in anymore. You know, they, don't, they really don't like you anymore because of your beliefs. Or maybe it's at work or at school. You're kind of left out of everything. And you may even experience that from religious folks too, right? You might, you might even experience that in church. And I got to tell you, it's nothing new. So we're going to be turning to the book of Acts. Either turn in your Bible or turn on your Bible, get on your app. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 13, beginning in first. 13. We're going to put it on the screen for you as well. As always, we'd love to give you a free New Testament out in the lobby at Info Central if you don't have one. But we're returning to the very first missionary journey with these soul brothers, these gospel preachers, Barnabas and Paul, who are going to other lands to make disciples. They are on a mission from God to make disciples just like we are. And it doesn't matter if you go across the globe or you go across the street. We're involved in that same mission. Okay, so we're going to pick up in verse 13. And since this is a journey, we're going to have to get out the map to get our bearings. So let's put a map up there again. You remember this is uh, the Mediterranean world. And up there in the left, there's Italy and the capital of Rome way up there. And then you travel a little bit to the right east. And you see uh, the, the cities in what's Greece. Uh, you go down to the bottom of the map. And there's northern Africa, Cyrene. You head a little east, Alexandria. That's Egypt. And then you go to the far right side of the map. At the bottom, you see Jerusalem. So now you're in the capital of the Holy Land. And all right, here we go. We're going to travel north. And you head up there to Antioch, 
which is in Syria, kind of on the border there close to what would then Asia Minor. Today it would be the nation of Turkey. Antioch now is more, becoming more of like the, the epicenter of Christianity. It's moved from Jerusalem to this Gentile area, Antioch, and it's from there that the Holy Spirit has launched this first journey. He says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas to go to these other lands. And so they, they travel overland to catch a boat over to that little island of Cyprus. They land on the right side, the east side, in Salamis. They travel across land to Paphos on the west. And this is where we pick back up in verse 13. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them. John, this is John Mark, so Mark. Left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. So let's zoom in a little bit closer on that map because now they're going to take another boat and they're going to head up from the island of Cyprus to Perga and then they're going to travel overland. Pretty difficult journey to up to Pisidian Antioch, about 100 miles away. You say, well, there's two Antiochs? Yep. Just like in America, there's, you know, 100 Springfields. There were like different Antiochs, and this one is in the region of Pisidia. And it's here that, uh, um, they, they, first of all, there's some companions, we don't know who they are, that have accompanied Paul. They probably, he brought them from Cyprus, maybe new believers. They're apprenticing, but it's, it's John Mark that is singled out. He's the guy that's been with them from the very beginning of the journey. This is a relative of Barnabas. Okay, so he brings along his cousin or his nephew to be their helper. He's been helpful up to this point. He bails out, and he heads all the way back home, all the way back to Jerusalem, which really irritates the snot out of Paul. He is not happy about this situation at all. Uh, he, he, is, he sees whatever reason he, he gives for bailing out. This is a weak excuse. And we know that because later on, when Paul and Barnabas want to go on another missionary journey, Barnabas says, hey, let's bring my relative again. Let's bring John Mark along. And Paul's like, eh, no, I ain't having none of that. That guy let us down last time. We're not taking him. And it caused such a serious rift between Paul and Barnabas that they split up. And uh, Barnabas takes his relative, uh, John Mark, and they head off in, to one direction. Paul grabs another helper, Silas. They head off in another direction, which is, so it's not good at all, this, this split between these two guys. But, you know, ultimately it results in good because they do twice as much work. They reach twice as many different places, okay? But we, we, the story has a happy ending because later on we find out John Mark, the young guy, who bailed on them, redeems himself, becomes very helpful to Paul again. Paul is very glad to have Mark in his life later on. In fact, you know, so much so he says, yeah, come, come be with me again, Mark. And in fact, this is the same Mark that will write the gospel that is in your New Testament. So I just give you that little bit of a story to give you some hope. Because if you're somebody who may have started out your spiritual journey strong, very involved and active, but at some point you drop back, you... you uh, kind of fell away from it you quit serving I don't know your fire got put out it just became too difficult too risky too costly for whatever reason and you're thinking well uh, it's too late for me I'm I'm washed up I'm worthless uh, God can't use me anymore absolutely not God is not through with you yet you can still redeem yourself you still have all that value and worth that, that God put into you and he still wants to use you so your story's not over yet get back involved again all right let's pick back up on the Sabbath they entered the synagogue and sat down remember they go to the Jewish people first because that's God's plan go to the chosen people 
give them a shot first, and they would be the most receptive. Makes the most sense. You know, you go to the people who are most willing to listen. So these are the ones that believe in the one true God. They, they believe the scripture, so they should be ready to receive the Messiah. That's why they go to the Jews in their worship center instead of going to like the, the pagan idol worshipers and all the people believe in mythology. All right, verse 15, after the reading from the law and the prophets, so the reading the Old Testament scriptures, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Now you need to know the Jewish synagogue, their place of worship, was really a, a pretty simple service that became the model or the template for the Christian church. Churches are modeled after the Jewish synagogue because they would gather together, they would fellowship every week. It would be on Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath day of worship, and they would unroll the scrolls and read from God's word. Um, they would have uh, times of prayer, and they would have exhortation, they would have instruction, all those things. And the early church did the same thing. Very simple, gather together, fellowship, pray, read from God's word. Now again, all they had was the Old Testament. They didn't, they didn't really call it that at, the point, at that point because they didn't have a New Testament yet. They did have prophets and apostles. So maybe, you know, an apostle might show up and actually speak to you directly. Or you'd have a prophet who would have a direct revelation from God. Um, a, a, a distinction in the Christian churches, they added something to worship, and that was the Lord's Supper, what we just took communion to remember Jesus, the, the, the new covenant that he brought, the New Testament in his blood. And they changed the day of worship, which is a big deal for Jewish people, from the Sabbath, Saturday, we're no longer under that law of the Sabbath, to Sunday, the first day of the week. Why? To honor the resurrection of Jesus. So that's what we do today. Now, um, they, they might have been reading some scrolls. We know, but here, here's the deal. We don't have to wait for an apostle and a prophet to show up. Right? We have their words right here for us. And we don't have to wait for somebody to pull out those very valuable scrolls that not everybody owned. You've got your own Bible. We can read it every day, and we get to teach from it every week. Now, it was customary in the synagogues. If there was a visiting Jewish teacher, they would invite him to go ahead and speak a few words. They didn't know what they were getting into here. Verse 16, standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, and by the way, this is Paul's very first recorded sermon written for us in Scripture. And uh, he's going to basically give them a condensed history of the Old Testament here. So we've already had a geography lesson. Now we're going to get a bit of a history lesson. But the point is, all that Old Testament history was leading up to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything in that old covenant. History is his story. Now, maybe as a kid, is, is this true for you? You didn't really get into history too much. You didn't like history because, I don't know, you know, everything was about you. you know, so you didn't care about what happened before you. But as you grow older, did you learn to love history? Because there's so many amazing stories, right? And that can be true with biblical history as well. We have trouble figuring out how all those stories fit together. I grew up in church and I heard all the stories about Abraham and Moses and David and all that. Great stories, but I didn't know how they all fit together until high school. I actually got to take a Bible history course in my public high school. And the teacher there was able to lay out for us how all of those little stories fit together in one unfolding story. And finally, it clicked. And that's exactly what Paul is going to do for these people. And so much of my message today is really just reading Paul's sermon. So if you don't like my sermon today, blame Paul. 
because this is, this is him. All right. So we're going to go to, to verse 16 here. And he says, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God uh, of the people of Israel chose our ancestors and he made the people prosper during their stay in, in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took place, it took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. And then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. Now, after removing Saul, he made David their king. And God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. Okay, so we got we to gotta do like in high school what, what our teacher did for us. He had to map this out for us. So I'm going to give you a real brief condensed history of the Old Testament. All right, we're going to start here. Book of Genesis, creation. And through Genesis 1 to 11, you get to Noah and the ark and the big flood, right? So... We're not going to deal with any of that. We're going to skip right to the time when God chose Israel, the nation, the Hebrews, the Jewish people to be his people and gave us the big four. These are the patriarchs. And do you know their names? The first one would be Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob, who was later renamed by God Israel. That's where you get the name Israel from Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons, including Joseph. And those 12 sons become the 12 tribes, family groups of Israel. It's Joseph then who leads them through their time in Egypt. So that's a pyramid, okay? (laughs) So they're in Egypt for all those years as slaves. And then God sends them a deliverer named what? Moses? And Moses leads them out and brings them to Mount Sinai and gives them the Big Ten Commandments. So there's Mount Sinai and the commandments. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience. And finally, Joshua is the one who gets to lead them into the promised land where they become the real nation of Israel. Okay, So he says, from the time of the patriarchs, to the time of entering the promised land took how many years? About 450 years. All right? So during this period then, when they're a brand new nation, they're led by these local rulers called judges, kind of spiritual, political, military leaders. But that didn't go so well. (laughs) So they asked for a king, and now we enter the period of a united kingdom where you have first Saul... But the main king, the good king, is David. Uh, David is promised you will have a descendant on your throne forever. And so Paul skips over a lot of Old Testament stories, prophets, the nation of Israel, a lot of kings, and it gets divided, and they get conquered by Assyria and Babylon, and then they're allowed to return under the Persian Empire and rebuild things. He skips all that, about a thousand years of history, and says... 
it was all leading up to Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all that Old Testament history. God had prepared the world for the coming of his son, of the Messiah, through this nation of Israel. Okay? And this is where the New Testament begins. And we are under that New Testament. So I want to go back here and read a little bit more. And it says here in verse 24, before the coming of Jesus, John, and we know him as John the Baptist, he really is the very last of the Old Testament prophets. Okay, he's the bridge between the old and the new. Uh, he preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his work, he said, who do you suppose I am? I'm, I'm not the one you're looking for. There's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. So the point is, all of history, all the prophets, was pointing to the arrival of the Messiah. And God had prepared all this through uh, the, the, the nation of Israel to get the world ready. And so Paul begins to make an application. He's going to actually now share the gospel message with them, beginning in verse 26. It says, fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it's to us that this message of salvation has been sent. It was all leading up to this. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers, they didn't recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. And though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They're now his witnesses to our people. So we tell you the good news, the gospel, what God promised to our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us their children, by raising up Jesus. As it's written in the second psalm, here's a prophecy. You are my son, today I have become your father. David wrote that. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God had said, another prophecy through David, I'll give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it's also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. David wrote that. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he died. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. So the prophecies are all fulfilled in Jesus. The one that was promised to the patriarchs, the one that God said to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, through you, through your descendant, through your seed, I will bless the entire world. That one is Jesus. The one that Moses foretold would be a great prophet like himself. That's Jesus. The one that David prophesied about would be divine, would die, and his body wouldn't see decay. That one is Jesus. He's the one our ancestors were looking forward to. He's the one that we've been waiting for. And we're the ones that finally get to receive this good news. Isn't this awesome? Now, the Jew, Jews back in Jerusalem, they rejected Jesus. They, they missed it. And they crucified him. But all they were actually doing was fulfilling all the prophecies that had to happen. And God confirmed it all by raising him from the dead. So Paul's now going to wrap it up. He's going to, it's end of the sermon, time for the invitation. And a bit of a warning. He says, therefore, my friends, verse 38, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. 
Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. That is a startling, shocking statement to these people in the synagogue who had been raised all their life to believe that the law, the Ten Commandments, was the, the highest form of God's word, and they lived their lives according to it. But Paul's got some bad news for them. That law couldn't save you. Those Ten Commandments, all they could do was condemn you because they showed that you were sinners, that you fall short, that you're, you failed to do what God has asked you. Being good isn't good enough because we are law breakers. We need more than law, we need forgiveness, we need a savior. Jesus is the one who came and fulfilled the law. He obeyed it perfectly like we could not do. And he gave his life so that we could be forgiven of our sins. That's the good news. Okay, so that's the invitation, that's the offer. But he throws in a little bit of a warning too. And Paul's like, I know this is shocking. This is unbelievable. But let me quote a prophet to you to show this was God's plan. He quotes from Habakkuk, verse 40. Take care what, that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. And Paul's like, I'm the one telling you this. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. So that's good, right? I mean, for once, like they don't get stoned to death or anything. Come back and speak some more. That's great. Now, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. That's good, too. Who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So here we go. Mixed responses. Some people loved what Paul was saying. Others were like, mm, I don't, I'm not sure about all this stuff. I need some more evidence here. You need to give me some more biblical proof text. And others were just completely unwilling to believe any of it at all. And that shouldn't surprise us. Anytime we declare the message of Christ, there are going to be some who believe it, some who reject it, and some are like, mm, tell me more. And they must have been very busy that week. Not just Paul spreading the message everywhere, but everybody went out. And started, hey, you got to come hear this guy. This is awesome. Because look at the results. Verse 44. In fact, everybody say this out loud together with me. Here we, go. It's on the, here we go. Put it on the screen. Verse 44. See, they, they didn't have to do PowerPoint back in the day, right? They just they said it and it was repeated. So we're going to say it together at the same time, though, all right? On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to see the whole city show up? I mean, what do you do with that kind of an overflow crowd? I don't know. But not everybody's happy about this. There were Jews who opposed this, just like back in Jesus. Remember, Jesus attracted these large crowds, and it drove the religious rulers crazy because they were very jealous of that. And so it happens again here. It's like, who does this guy think he is? Verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And they began to contradict what Paul was saying. And they heaped abuse on him. Now, before the internet, that's how you troll people. You just did it right out in public to their face. Call them out, call them names, you know, make fun of them. And Paul and Barnabas are like, what, what is wrong with you people? We're just, we're just sharing good news with you. We're trying to help you. And you're treating us like, like a bunch of argumentative jerks. You're, you're, you're mean. What's wrong? No. And then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. Verse 46. All right, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Fine, that's what God wanted us to do. We're here doing what we're supposed to do. We're going to go to the Jews first. But since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. All right, your loss. No skin off our nose. 
And then another quote from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 49. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. In other words, he's saying you blew it. The Jewish nation, the Israelites, you were supposed to be all this time sharing God's word with the whole world, bringing light into darkness. That's exactly what we're doing. And you're working against it. See, all along, we're supposed to be doing this. And when the Gentiles heard this, they're glad. And they honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. They need to understand the idea about being appointed here. It's those who believed in Jesus were the ones appointed to eternal life. God appoints the plan, but you get to choose whether you're going to be included in that plan. It's not some unconditional thing where God just randomly picks and chooses who's going to be saved and who's going to be condemned. I don't believe that for a minute. He gives you free will to make your choice whether you're going to meet the conditions of being appointed. God wants all people to be saved. Isn't that true? Scripture says he wants everybody saved. But he designates that only those who choose to believe in his son are the ones that will be saved. So it's up to you what you're going to do with this, whether you're going to be one of those appointed to eternal life. So This next part is really cool. Verse 49. Let's say this one together again. Let's put this on the screen. Here we go. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Now stop. Again, I love that. It's spreading everywhere. And obviously, again, it's not just Paul and a few preachers doing it. It's everybody getting the word out. But eventually, here's the backlash. But the Jewish leaders, they incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. So they got all the influential people all stirred up. And they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. And so Paul and Barnabas, they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. So on the map, they head southeast about 60 miles. and We'll pick back up there next week. But it says the, the result is the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So you remember, Jesus told his disciples, if you get rejected somewhere, shake the dust off your feet and, and beat it. Get out of town. And it wasn't some petty childish thing. It was a dramatic, serious thing where they would reach down and grab their, their sandals and hold them up in front of everybody. And they'd shake the dust off them and basically say, fine, have it your way. You happy now? We're going to leave. You're going to get what you want. We tried. We did our best. We did what God called us to do. But now that you've rejected us, it's just, It's on your head, and God's going to deal with you. And that's what God expects of us. All we can do is fulfill our responsibility to get the message of Jesus out. It's not up to us how people respond to it. We're going to get mixed reactions to it. All we can do is be faithful in declaring it. And so that's our big idea. Share the gospel. Leave the results to God. You have absolutely nothing to do with whether people accept it or reject it, unless you're being a jerk. Unless you're being really an offensive, weirdo Christian, then okay, (laughs) you can't blame them for saying no to that. But if you're just out of your own faith and your own heart and compassion, you want people to experience what you've experienced, you just share it. That's all you can do. The results are up to God. Only he can change people's hearts. Some are going to decide for, some are going to decide against because the gospel is like a knife that cuts people. And yes, it pierces and it punctures and it stings. But it is also an instrument of healing, of curing, of cutting out the sin, of soothing and relieving and making glad. And some people are going to call out for that and want that 
And other people are saying, no, 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 I don't want any of that. You keep it to yourself. And they harden their hearts and destroy themselves. But I love this. Even though they, they're rejected, they get kicked out. They're still full of joy and the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? They left behind a growing group of believers. They really kind of left behind a brand new church. And they identified with Jesus, you know, because when they reject you, they're really rejecting Jesus. Right? Jesus himself said in John 13, I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. So rejoice that you get to be identified with Jesus. And besides, a lot of good was done. So here we are. We're on a mission from God. We're going downriver. So don't be shaking the dust off your shoes yet. Keep those dusty shoes on for a bit more because we got a lot of work to do. There's still a lot of people who have never heard. And if we don't go and tell them, how are they going to hear? Let's go all out and reach our city, our whole city, until they shut us up and kick us out. We're going to keep preaching because you can't stop the gospel. We're on a mission from God, and it's going to take every one of us to win down river to Christ. That's why we're going into the, we're in our second week now of our 41 days of prayer, leading up to Good Friday, preparing us for Easter so that we can become more focused and intense and earnest about prayer like those early Christians and pray about the big things that are close to the heart of God, kingdom issues, mission matters, um, you know, the, the, the Great Commission kind of stuff. Gaining disciples, growing disciples, being healthy, strong churches. And we would encourage you to pray on your own every day. And you got a prayer guide when you came in. And there's actually a place on there where you can write in the names of people that you know specifically that need Jesus or need a church. And you pray for them. Write them down and pray for them. And pray for yourself for the boldness to share your faith with them, to invite them to church services, to get them here for Easter. We've got five weeks to get ready for that. So let's prepare with prayer. Let's pray in our groups together. Let's, let's show up early before services, pray throughout the building. Uh, I, know, I know not today because of the loss of the hour. It probably didn't work. But next week, pray over these chairs that they get filled up with your friends, your relatives, with, with all the people in our whole region, okay? Let's do that now. Let's pray together. Father, we want to restore that faith uh, uh, and that passion of the early church. God, that you would make us bold like Paul and Barnabas and give us a burden for, for souls like them. God, give us downriver for Christ. Deliver all these people around us from, from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. And God, use us to do that. Cause us to cross paths with people who need Jesus. Send your Holy Spirit before us to prepare the way and give us the words to say. Make us missionaries. We believe, Lord, there's power in your word and, and we're gonna do what you ask, even though you know, the, the results aren't up to us and you don't call us to be successful, just to be faithful, because we know you'll do the work of changing hearts and we know that your, your word will penetrate and do its job, even when, even when somebody doesn't believe it, Lord. We planted seeds. And, and Holy Spirit, we know that you're going to be the one to convict their consciences, that you're going to convince their minds. You're going to tug at their hearts. You're going to draw them to Jesus. And so we pray for our relatives and our friends and our coworkers and fellow students, our neighbors, people we run into regularly. Okay, we're still praying, but now it's up to you. You're going to pray on your own for your child, your parents, your, your spouse. These are people maybe who have, um, have resisted up to this point. They've been indifferent. 
and they are your greatest burden because you want them so badly to know the Lord, but you know you can't change them, only God can. So go ahead and take a few moments right now and say, Lord, I'm bringing them to you. You do what only you can do. God, would you make us a, a church full of growing believers who are, who are uh, fervent and, and earnest in prayer, that there's a new freshness of prayer among us, that each home would be filled with prayer, that our, your house here would be called a house of prayer and every prayer a prayer meeting. But God, we know that we need you to slow us down from being so rushed, being so busy that we forget you. Fill this place with prayer, with people, with praise, and with power in Jesus' name. Amen. And every week we do what Paul did. We offer an invitation to receive Jesus, to turn from your sin, to put your trust in him, to be baptized into Christ. Aren't you glad that you get to hear the word of the Lord? The question is, will you honor it? Will you choose to believe Jesus because I also got to throw in a little warning too don't let happen to you what happened to so many others who refuse to listen to the Lord who harden their heart be ready to receive Jesus today to take that first step of faith so if you need any help taking that first step or whatever next step you need to pray with somebody about what's going on in your home your life if you would love to be baptized today. We would love to do that, to get you started on that journey. So every week we offer this invitation. I'm going to have some friends standing up here during this song. Come down and talk with them. Ask them questions. They'll be up here after the service as well. Yeah, they'll be up here next week and the week after that and the week after that. But you know what? Today is the day that God is tugging on your heart and calling you. Listen to it.